I did not know how this was going to work. Uh, I'll be honest, this has been a very lonely room for the last six months. And yet I always knew that there were people on the other end of that camera. And they were praying and cheering and worshiping even when it felt awkward or weird or different and that we were pressing together. I think over the last six months, this is what we've learned. There is something more important than being in a church. What's more important is being the church. And, and nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. So as you're watching at home tonight in your living room, to those of you that are here in the room with us, we are just so honored to be the church together. And this weekend was so monumental, I brought reinforcements uh, along with me because I needed some help. <laughs> I needed some help. And so uh, we're going to do something that we have never done before. I've done weekends before called Ask Me Anything. And we're going to do something different this week, which is we're going to do Ask Us Anything. If you don't know who this person is, and you're wondering why I'm touching her knee the way that I am, um, that's allowed, because this is my wife, uh, this is Laurel, and we're so glad that she's here with us. And we thought as we were getting ready to reopen doors and stay engaged online that, that it would be fun to do something. Let me tell you what an Ask Us Anything weekend really is. We believe that Christianity should be a conversation. We believe that it should be a dialogue. We actually believe that there are times when it's not good for the pastor to get up and just talk at us for 30 minutes, but instead we should actually have an opportunity to talk back and forth. And we do it a little different. Some other churches do this. One of the wrinkles that we've chosen is uh, we, do, we do it with no prep. So that means Laurel and I have no idea what's being texted in right now. None of the questions have been shared with us. And so we are flying without a net. We have nothing underneath of us but dark open space. We're going to be okay. Um, <laughs> and, and we are going to engage not only with people here, but people that are at home right now or in coffee shops or in cars. One of the most encouraging things over this last season has been when people would send me snapshots of them watching church uh, sitting, sitting around a campfire at a, at, while they were camping. Uh, or it, they, one, my favorite picture was a Harley Davidson motorcycle with a camera. I don't know how legal it was, but there was a, ca a phone in his handlebars and he was watching church as he was flying down the road. Wouldn't recommend that for everybody, but hey, um, it was nice to know that we were at least sharing those moments together. And so we're going to dive in together. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk back and forth. And over the last couple of days, here's some verses that Laurel and I've been talking about a lot from 1 Corinthians. It says, when I came to you, when we came to you, brothers and sisters, we did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We came to you in weakness and in fear with much trembling. Our message and our preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. That's what we're looking for tonight, is that the Holy Spirit would come and spend a little time with us. And so uh, here's what we promise you. We're going to be open. We're going to be authentic. Yes. We're going to dive straight in with both feet. And uh, so we're ready to start with questions. Are you ready for this? I think so. I'm, I'm breathing deeply. You're, you're breathing deeply talking. right now. That's yeah. awesome. The cool thing is we're amongst friends at home and here online as well. Who's out there? 
Okay, just in case. All right. We'll use that as a just-in-case microphone. Is mine not working? No, you're good. We got you. We got you. Fantastic. Okay, let's dive into it. First question. Uh, The number is this. If you'd like to send in a question, 360-399-6360. All right? And so if you want to grab your phone and text in a question right now, they go to a group of people that are in the wedge, and they are the ones that help us actually work through these things. But 360-399-6360. All right, here we go. What's something each of you has learned in this unusual season? What challenges has it created for your marriage, and how have you dealt with them? That's a, that's a loaded question. We're diving right in. Yeah, we Let are. Let me read it one more time, because I need to think it through. What's something each of you has learned in this unusual season? What challenges has it created for your marriage, and how have you dealt with them? So the first part of the question, I think this time has been really revealing, just like any challenge is. Um, it reveals things about your character, the weaknesses, the strengths. Um, some people get really fearful. Others um, get kind of mean. And others just rise up. And so um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about who I want to be and how Jesus can help me get there. Um, I guess I can't talk too long, can I? But, no, um, keep going. You're doing so, great. <laughs> keep going. That means I don't have to answer. Uh, our marriage... We've, we've actually, it's, it, there was challenges, I think, just like everybody else, because you're, especially the first part of COVID, because you're, you're in each other's face kind of all the time, and it reinforces some of those little things you maybe <laughs> could put on the back burner. But what's been one of the most beautiful gifts about this time is when Grant was working from home, we actually had to have, got to have our quiet time or just talk to Jesus together in our home. And, and so often that's done separately. And we really, that exposed a lot about how we were approaching our spiritual growth on a personal level and how we could approach it as a couple. And God met us there. It was powerful. He, it was hard in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. We struggled just like many of you. Um, but it was because of Jesus that we were brought so close and were able to grow through it instead of crumble in the midst of it. Absolutely. So something that I learned was uh, I spent a lot of time learning about spiritual identity because if you, don't, if you don't know Christ, you can't know his power and his strength. And so for me, it was really about learning who I am in Christ again. And I'm probably going to have to learn it again and again and again and again. But it was learning about that. But if I was fearful, where was the fear coming from? And what happened to all those verses? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What about those verses that say that my God is greater, my God is stronger than any other? So that was an incredible learning moment. I think the challenges for the two of us was uh, we didn't have anywhere to run and hide. Yeah. And so if there were issues, we actually had to deal with them. And we saw and worked with a lot of couples, some of them remotely, some of them uh, in different ways, where, where, where the challenge was actually getting them to turn towards each other instead of turning away because there was so much proximity that it was really, really easy to turn away. And so one of the ways that we had to deal with them was face-to-face, head-on, and a lot of them were dealt with on our knees. And sometimes they were loud. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they were loud. Quiet. Yeah, we are no different than any other married couple that yeah. comes to Christ the King. We have our strengths, we have our weaknesses, we have our faults, but learning those things together has been unbelievably, unbelievably powerful. So, yes. awesome. Great question. All right, let's go to the next one. Laurel. Do you give Grant feedback about his sermons? And if so, what type of feedback? And how does that go? 
<laughs> so for a while, it, it was his, his stories that he shared, because he wouldn't give me a heads up, and all of a sudden, I would be an illustration in the message. That did not always go well. Yep. So we have worked through that, that now it kind of gets okayed before that gets shared. Do I give you? I, I do. Um, but it's, it's rarely critical. I see him as my pastor, and so um, when I'm here at a service, it's, it's about what God's teaching me, speaking, you know, what he's speaking to me through Grant. So I don't see him as my husband, as weird as that might sound. So um, the odd critique might be, you know, and maybe via my kids that, hey, tell him never to wear that shirt again <laughs> or something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But it's, it's really not, I don't know, you could probably answer this yeah. for the Yeah, so Laurel I? actually believe, um, I almost said believe it or not, but that's not the way, that's not what I meant to have come out of my mouth, actually, because Laurel actually contributes significantly to my thought process, and when we're getting ready to look at, at different sermon series, so the Promises of God series, that was her, because she made a comment, like, I think people need to focus on the promises of God right now in the midst of all of this craziness. So she has inspired more sermon series by simply being who she is and by talking about Jesus and sharing what God has been doing in her life. Uh, and so I could actually go back through the calendar and go, that was a Laurel series, and that was a Laurel series, and that was a Laurel series. And we actually had a deal the other day. We were pulling apart an old, uh, uh, it was a New Testament story about Jesus and some healings. And she just started sharing some of the revelation that God was giving her out of those stories. And I started taking notes. I'm like, I have never seen it from that perspective before. So we do a lot of, uh, a lot of conversation back and forth. And she contributes just because of who she is as a person. And also, she knows me well. And there are times when she'll say, yeah, I think you might want to rethink that. Or you may want to, hey, have you ever thought about this angle? So it really is kind of a team piece. And we're, we're working into a season where we actually hope to get to do um, a lot more of those kinds of things together. So because she has a unique perspective, and I really appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, let's go to the next one. How should we be acting now between now and the election? Oh, boy. Laurel? <laughs> Just be kind. I mean, it goes a long way, and I feel like people forget that. Somewhere along the line, you know, it has to not be a conversation. It, it's, it's just a, a contest as to, you know, are you going to hear me in, the, in a screaming contest? I know one of the things that God actually told me today in regards to something completely different, but it was just we're responsible for our response in a situation, not the other person's reaction. And I think for some reason, we always want to close the loop. And whether we agree, disagree, it's, it's not our responsibility to tell people how they need to think. We just need to stay in our own lane and listen to what God's telling us and act on that and speak on that in kindness and in love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this question. All right. Um, how should we be acting between now and the election? Let me make this as clear as I can to you and the people watching at home. We should be acting as the people of God. That's who we should be acting as. We should be acting as ambassadors of reconciliation. We should be acting as people that know Jesus, are filled with the Spirit, and have the blessing of our Heavenly Father. 
which means we should be acting differently than everybody else that seems to be losing their mind. So I had a friend who actually said, uh, hey, I'd like, to show you, um, I'd like to show you something that you said in the very first message of January 2020. You said these words. He goes, I think you're a prophet. He goes, you said, between now and November, people in this country are going to lose their ever-loving minds. <laughs> and we didn't even know COVID was coming, right? So I would say this. Um, we have an opportunity to be salt and light right now. Mm-hmm. We have an opportunity to be kind, just like Laurel said. If we say we're full of the Holy Spirit, this is what that means. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, and underline that last one, self-control. Which means this, before I pop on, before I pop on Facebook and start typing in all caps, I need to have a sacred pause where I go, Jesus, am I supposed to say anything at all? Culture right now is putting pressure on people because it says if you don't say something, then you're complicit in your silence. Here's what's interesting. My Bible actually says sometimes silence is wisdom. And I'm not going to be just another voice screaming. But I'm going to speak on behalf of God with a tone that I believe would make God proud in a way that would actually uh, recognize something. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are people in your spiritual family who don't agree with you politically. I know, it's a shock. And you probably don't even remember, back in January, we actually did a series called The Platform on how we were supposed to act. We probably all forgot about it because this crazy thing started happening in the meantime, right? But to have an opportunity to actually come alongside and say, look, we may not agree, But the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus said, I pray that they would be one. That we would find ways to be one, even if we might disagree with each other. So my prayer is that we'll act like the people of God and that we'll remember this. And this is where I just get fired up about this kind of stuff. As a follower of Jesus, I already chose my king and I serve a different kingdom. That's what I'm called to. That's what I should be aspiring to. That means I'm also supposed to be involved down here. I'm supposed to talk. I'm allowed to have an opinion. But I'm supposed to be civil in our discourse back and forth with each other. But if I ever lose my heavenly citizenship and start acting like someone that doesn't look or act like Jesus at all, then I need to do a gut check and stop really, really fast. Oh, and one more thing. Regardless of who wins in November, King Jesus will not abdicate the throne. And we need to have full and complete confidence in that, okay? All right. I'm so glad somebody asked that question. That was good. All right? Let's, okay, let's jump to the next one. Here we go. Laurel. There's a lot of Laurel. There's a lot of Laurel question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of liking this one. We know that your loss of vision has created many challenges. Do you feel there's any unique blessings you would have missed out on if it were not for your condition? Oh, wow. This, like, I could talk forever Go on for this. It. Yes. Like, Go for it. There, so much is about the journey and embracing the journey and not your circumstance. And I say over and over, I am praying for a miracle and believing in one. One is going to happen for sure. But I am so thankful that I wasn't even healed six months ago because of just the people I have encountered, the Jesus I've encountered throughout this journey, 
it's so easy, I think, to be distracted by so much visually. And I, by default, get to live in this world where I don't have those distractions. And his promises are real to me because I have to depend on them. And there, there's so much about this that I just, I love. I love who I've learned I am and how strong I am because of who Jesus is in me. And, and his promises that I keep going back to again and again are true. Like, they're faithful. I live them every day. And I know we read one where, or some time ago that faith is about looking backwards and seeing what God has done and believing he's going to do it again. And love lives in the, in the moment or in the present. And hope looks forward into things that you don't, you know, you're looking ahead to take hold of. And hope has been powerful for me, just knowing God is faithful and will continue to be faithful, and there's still so much ahead for me. So, yeah, my, my life has been a joyful one despite the challenges. It's, it's definitely refined me in ways I never would have thought possible. It's made our marriage stronger, mm-hmm. for sure. I'm a fiercely independent person, and this has made me incredibly dependent not only on Jesus, but dependent on you in a lot of ways, which has strengthened, mm-hmm. strengthened us. So... Yeah, I honestly, I could go on and on. It's, it's been a gift. I, what, you know, Satan intended for bad, God has turned into something absolutely beautiful and used it in so many powerful, powerful ways. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen the blessings over and over and over again. Um, I mean, Laurel inspires me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she inspires me because she just will not give up on this beautiful promise that someday God, our healer, will come through. And in the meantime, we believe and we have faith. And so there's an inspiration that watches and it washes through our family on a regular basis. I watch my kids. They're so sensitive to people that have disabilities because they've learned. They've learned to watch. And we all count steps and we all do things to stay close. And and those things have been such an incredible blessing. That doesn't mean we're not praying and believing for that miracle. Believe me, don't you guys give up. Right. I mean, together, <laughs> yes. we're going to keep pushing and asking. And the day it happens, you'll know, because you'll hear us all the way from up north. You'll hear us screaming, and that'll be awesome. So, good deal. Okay, yeah. another question. Let's keep on moving. This is great. There are so many prayer needs. Prayer for the world, our country, our communities, the church, our family, our friends. I've been feeling tired and drained from praying. Have you ever felt this way? And how did you deal with it? Wow. So many prayer needs for the world, our country, our communities, the church, our family, friends. I've been feeling tired and drained from praying. Have you ever felt this way? And how did you deal with this? Yeah, I, I don't know the um, tired necessarily from praying, but the burdens, I think it's very easy for us to actually take those burdens on ourselves of when we see people in pain and hurting and we so desperately want to make a difference. And um, I, I think we, we almost give ourselves more credit than we deserve because God just asked us to pray and, and he takes care of the rest. But it, you have to make a conscious effort to really let go of those problems. And I know, I mean, I don't even know how much to share on here, but I guess I'll just, so often in my prayer time, I'll meet Jesus at this stream. (laughs) And there's a basket. I mean, if you are familiar, oh, 
that's my mic. There's, anyway, I'll just keep, oh, I'm gone. You got, are you gone? Yeah. We'll go with this one. Okay. So, in this stream, there's a basket. If you're familiar with Bible stories, it's like that baby Moses was put in. And I often use this basket when I'm, I'm praying for people or just issues that are just too heavy for me to carry. I will lay them in the basket knowing God's got them. He's taking care of them. And I can let go because he's taking hold of that. So I think a lot of the weariness just comes from us holding on too tight to, to what we're praying for. Yeah. I, I think what you're describing is that those desert experiences, when we get out there and we feel like there's no water, there's no, there's nothing that's going to sustain me. And in those moments, I come back to the moments when Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we have living water available to us. And so it can be overwhelming with the prayer needs. And at the same time, I, I really think it's an opportunity for God to show up unbelievably strong for us. So I've had seasons of my prayer life where I just feel empty. And in those moments, I have to come to God. I love that scripture that says in those moments, the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. And God takes over in those moments. Mm -hmm. And I can say, God, I don't have any words anymore. And I don't even know where to go with this whole thing. And God's like, I understand. I'll take it from here. Just, I just need you to stay in there with me and to continue to lay that burden. I mean, isn't it amazing that God is never exhausted by our prayer list? I mean, that he has an ever abundant capacity to be able to say, yes, and I know about that, and I know about that. Oh, by the way, I know about what's going on in Portland. Oh, by the way, I've got Seattle covered. Watch what's going to happen. Like that God is just saying, I know, I know, I get it, I see it, give it to me give it to me. Scripture says, cast all of your anxiety on him. So in those moments when you're feeling drained and praying, I'd encourage you to find a spiritual basket, lay all of that stuff down and actually give it to God. That's what he told us that we needed to do with that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I think we all feel that. So if you're here or if you're watching at home and you're texting that in, believe me, you are not alone and experience that dry time. So many of us get into that moment. But I want to remind you again, greater is he that is in you. So keep praying. Keep praying. Okay, let's keep going. All right, what are the main differences you see between biblical justice and secular justice? What should we be wary of as it relates, what ideology, as it relates to what ideologies culture is pushing right now? Okay, let me say that again, So, because that's a deep question, right? What are the main differences you see between biblical justice and secular justice? What should we be wary of as it relates to what ideologies culture is pushing right now? Well, biblical justice is, is always based in truth, and often secular justice sadly can be hearsay and opinions and clouded by... Um, yeah, just a lot of misinformation. So anything, when it comes to justice in the Bible, it's about love, too. It's not about punishment. Um, well, I guess that's not true. Sometimes there it is. It is about punishment. But, yeah. but it's done in love. It's done out of God's love for us. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the black and white of justice, you know, in our world. And it becomes way more about what we believe is right and what is wrong than truly 
the heart of justice for that person, right? So I don't know. That's a really, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a deep question. I, I would come at it from this way. Um, as soon as we start adding words to the word justice, I think we're overlooking the most important word, which is God's justice. And God's justice goes hand in hand with God's mercy. Those two things go together. And I think there are times when we have to be careful when ideologies begin to pull us in different directions and we miss the, the ideology that sits right in the center, which is that God values human life. He created all of it. Nobody gets a life unless God gives it to them. And I like to go to the end of the book and then reverse engineer my way back. At the end of the book, if you've read the story, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every person will gather around the central throne of one person, Jesus. And we will all take a knee and we'll all be able to understand each other and we will all see the inherent value in each other because Jesus will be able to stand in the center of all of us and say, you all have one thing in common. I made you, 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 and you all have inherent value. Now, we also need to grab a hold of the fact that there's a lot of pain in our world today and pain doesn't just show up for no reason. Pain shows up because people have been hurt. And as the people of God, we need to do a lot of loving and a lot of listening right now. We need to hear, what is the source of your pain? We can't be put off by that. We actually have to hear, what is the cry of your heart? Tell me about the stories and experiences that you've actually faced that I may not have faced. And let me do this. The Bible says we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. So we take God's grace, God's justice, God's mercy, we put that together. We love, we learn, we listen, we empathize. We walk alongside and we never ever forget this. What makes us human is God. He created us all with beauty and inherent value. In fact, I found this. I, 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 I have a really hard time struggling with a person's humanity as long as I look for the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit on their soul. If I can see that Holy Spirit, I'll tell you what, we can disagree on all kinds of things. We can have different perspectives. We can have all different kinds of ideologies even that are pulling us in lots of different direction. What I know is this, as a follower of Christ, his ideology and his kingdom is the most important thing that I am called to. And in that, I find love for all of my brothers and all of my sisters, and I hear their pain, and I want to listen, and I want to walk alongside, and I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to be, continue to be a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. That is a deep, 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 deep question, but I, I hope and pray that our, that our church always focuses on God's mercy, God's justice, and how we put those two things together. You got something else on that one? Uh, no. Nope. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next one. All right. I've been dealing with severe chronic pain for many years and the depression, depression that results from it. How do I keep going when the pain has been so bad for so long and I see no end in sight short of a miracle? I've been strong for a very long time in God's strength, but I feel like my fight is gone. So basically the issue is severe chronic pain and the depression that comes from it. 
How do I keep going when the pain's been so bad for so long and short of a miracle? This is what my reality is. I feel like my strength is gone. That's hard because pain, physical pain is, I, I mean, with my visual disability, I haven't had to deal with a lot of physical pain. Um, but I just went through a kidney stone experience that I'm not comparing to what you're going through at all. But it was a level of pain that I, I realized it's really hard to even think sometimes and be rational through that. And so I, I don't even know exactly how to speak to how do you get through that physical pain that can, it affects everything. I mean, it, it literally makes it hard to think and act. But Again, it's always Jesus is greater than everything. He truly is our answer. And I, I know that he's the only one that gives you grace through those moments and strength in those moments and definitely healing in those moments. And I mean, I would keep crying out to him for mercy and help. And I don't know, pain is a hard one. I, we know people that have gone through so much pain, and you get weary, and you get tired. And, um, but God is always faithful in ways that, oh. Now this one, too. I don't think I'm supposed to speak. <laughs> oh, we're back. We lost it for a second. We're back. I, I don't even know my train of thought. It, you probably have a far better answer to this question. No, I'm not sure because I think I would build off of exactly what you said, which is, first of all, when there is no, no end in sight, it's at those darkest, worst moments when God does his best work. And he does it inside of us and he does it with us. And he, here's, I think, is one of the greatest encouragements as we go through these difficult, difficult times. As a believer, I always know this. There is purpose in my pain. God has a purpose. And that out of my pain, I have lost track of the number of people who have seen what Laurel has gone through and then have told me, watching her graciously continue to ask God for the miracle has been an inspiration for me when I felt like I needed to give up. And so we begin to look at each other. So to the person who, who sang, I'm carrying this pain, I want you to understand that as you walk through it, you become an inspiration to the rest of us and we see God in you. And that means you need to keep fighting. You need to not give up. You need to keep pressing in because those of us that are walking alongside of you, you have no idea the impact you may be having on the rest of us as we're continuing to walk through. I also want to encourage you that just because you didn't have a miracle today does not mean there's not one coming tomorrow. And that's, that's not just a bumper sticker. No, it's, it's not just a bumper sticker. We actually believe that. In fact, we have seen in this last season, I have seen God show up in so many ways. In fact, we'll tell you a story. Um, so Laurel had a kidney stone and it was horrible and she had to go through the whole piece. I mean, I have never... Um, my wife has the pain tolerance of, it's just unbelievable. And so she's in pain. Most of us would be crawling on the floor. Her eyebrows go down just a little bit. That's how I know. It's just like, oh, she's like, she's, she's flexing just a little bit. And it's hurting and it's hurting and it's hurting and it's hurting. We're actually on vacation. She ends up in the ER. Then we come home, we ended up in the ER. I mean, there was just some deep, deep, deep times. As part of the journey to get the one stone taken care of... <laughs> They find another one. 
Yes, one that will be too large to pass on its own. That is not the news you want to hear. <laughs> yeah, if you've gone through it. Anybody that survived it, yeah. Yeah. Well, we survived it. So they saw it in the imaging. There it is. And so we're getting ready. We, a month goes by because Laurel needed to do some healing. A month goes by. And we, our doctor says, you need to go back in for imaging. And we had made this determination. We were going to pray that stone out of Laurel's body. Like we're going to go after it. We're just like, I think God cares about that stuff. I think he cares about your pain. I think he cares about our pain. So I go for my ultrasound, and the tech can't find the stone. It's gone. Yeah. And I'm like, like yeah, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we went to my surgeon, and because I was supposed to go to this appointment um, to talk about what type of surgery to get rid of the stone. And again, we got to share. Like, God took the stone away. It's gone. So yeah, I mean, he's, he cares about kidney stones. He certainly cares about the pain you're going through yeah. every single day, every single moment. He, it, it hurts him too, to watch anybody go through pain. I know that. Yeah. In fact, these are moments when I love these Ask Us Anything because um, I don't know if the person who wrote this is at home right now in a living room or if they're here, but I know this, uh, you could use a family to rally around you, and we're going to give some strength by asking Jesus, the source of your strength, to come up underneath of you and lift you right now. So I'm going to ask those of you at home, if you're a family, would you grab hands with each other? If you're sitting by yourself, I want you to go like this. If you're here in the room, I want you to join me, and we're going to pray for the person who sent in this question, because that's the least we can do right now, right? Okay, so let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the courage that it took for whoever this person is who's been carrying this for a long time. I pray in the name of Jesus right now they would know they're not alone. I pray that they would experience strength because Lord, you said in your word that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. So that's what we're doing right now. Through prayer, we're getting up underneath of that crushing load and we're gonna lift with everything we have so they can catch their breath. God, I thank you that there's purpose in this pain. We may not understand it this side of heaven, but we also know you said, you promised that you would give us strength for this day. God, we would be so bold as to come and say for whoever this brother or sister is, God, would you heal them right yes. now? Yeah. Would you touch them in the name of Jesus? Would you break the chronic pain off of their body? God, I pray that the chains would simply turn into dust and mm -hmm. fall at their feet. God, we would love to celebrate this story. Mm-hmm. And God, we love these stories when you show up and do crazy, crazy things. God, I was there when Laurel came out of the appointment. Lord, the tech had the old images. They knew exactly where to look. And there's nothing. And there's nowhere it could have gone naturally. So there's one explanation. God answers prayer. So God, I thank you that you hear our prayer right now for whoever our brother or sister is. God, I pray that you would be strong for them. Give them strength, power, and passion to live tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. I mean, they know that they're never alone, that we are with them and we are for them, but more importantly, Jesus is with them and for them. So God, I pray that you would give them their fight back. Yes. I pray that they would fight with everything they have because you have created them for such a time as this. God, I thank you that you understand pain. You experienced it. You know it intimately. 
and we are not alone in that. We have you with us. So God, give strength to our brother or sister. Lift them up out of that dark pit. God, and may they live victoriously today. And may they hear us cheering them on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. All right, we got time for one more. Let's go to one more. Boy, time goes really, really quick. If you could pinpoint one thing that you believe makes a good marriage, what would it be? One thing. One thing. Um, I mean, honestly, the, the biggest thing, and it, this, it sounds cliche. Jesus isn't cliche. I mean, he is the answer to everything. And, and we keep saying that over and over and over again, but it's true. One of the things that Grant and I thought at the beginning of our marriage, because we were so diversely different in personalities and upbringing. There was so much that our worlds collided and it made a big bang. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it did. Um, there was a lot of things we had to, had to work through, but the one, the one thing that is always the same is our love for Jesus. And that's what, when everything kind of goes awry and, um, you know, you lose those butterflies because you will, that's just marriage and they come back in moments. But if you don't think there's going to be hard times, you're in for a surprise because you face times where you don't always feel like you're in love with that person. Whether you love them, you know, you still love them. There's so much of the feelings is a roller coaster that you go on. And we constantly come back to we passionately love Jesus. And when you are focusing on Him, He draws you back together, even through some of the bumps that you think you're not going to be able to, to get close again, because they just seem too big and too, too large. Um, he somehow does it, and he softens your heart towards each other. He makes some of the biggest conflicts just seem not so big anymore, and he can open your eyes to see your spouse how he sees them, and that's one of the greatest gifts, is to just really see the strengths and the person that he's created them to be so that you can encourage them on that journey too. So I think the biggest thing was we tried doing things separately and, yeah. and growing spiritually separately and just kind of connecting every now and then that this is what God said to me. And we've really dug in and we're reading the Bible together and we're praying together and we're talking about what God is doing in each other's lives and holding each other accountable. And we are getting to know just... The, our, the souls of each other, which is incredibly beautiful. Yeah. We actually used to, um, we used to teach that it was, in, when we were doing premarital classes, that it was okay because I had my style spiritually, Laurel had her style spiritually, and we just kind of found a way to justify it. We found out, um, believe, we were wrong. And I'll, we'll admit that. We, we were wrong. You do have to do it together. You've got to find a way. And I know there are, lots of, there are lots of challenges in doing that, but finding time and carving out time to pray together and read the word together and struggle with issues together, it's unbelievably important that you link arms, hearts, and souls together. And we've just had, even in this last little season, have, have, we've, we've jumped in with both feet to a whole other level, and it has been so unbelievably rich. Um, we're getting ready sometime in the next couple of months. COVID, like, kind of knocked us sideways. We're getting ready to uh, do a podcast. Actually, Laurel is hosting the podcast. Um, it's called Continuing the Conversation. It's not available yet. But just a couple weeks ago, we did a podcast 
with Rick and Tiffany Bullman. If you were watching during the COVID season, Rick and Tiffany came, shared their story of Tiffany had an affair and how God did a miracle. It was during the miracles. See, that was another series that came from Laurel. It was the miracle series that we did. Totally came from her. But Rick and Tiffany were talking about that. And we asked them this question. Like, Rick and Tiff, if, what does it really come down to? And Rick said the same thing. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it's Jesus in the center of the relationship. It's not a cliche. It's the biggest truth we can share with you. Jesus in the center of anything makes it better. I mean, that's just, that's just true, right? God in the center of anything makes it better. And I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to struggle in a disagreement when Jesus is standing in between going, really? <laughs> really? You're fighting about that? You know that she's right anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there you go. There you have it. That was awesome. That was fantastic. So I would really encourage you to actually find that one thing. And it really is. And doing that is so unbelievably important and keeping that in the center. So it's 7.03. Time is gone. These things go quick, quick, quick. Uh, I'm supposed to say a couple things at the end here. Um, one thing I'm not supposed to say, I'm just going to say, uh, this is actually is about as far out of Laurel's comfort zone as it can get. She's never been one to be up front. And yet God continues to ask her to step in and help. And I tell you, it, I, I think the only thing better than one heart is two hearts, especially when they're connected like this. And so I really appreciate you giving the weekend and coming and hanging out here with me and answering questions. It's not easy to be put on the spot. And if any of you would like to try, uh, we can do an Ask Us Anything with you anytime you'd like to sign up. That would be fantastic, okay? Something else that we want you to know, um, which is this. Next week, we're starting a brand new series called Start Small. God has so much wisdom for us in these seasons. And I believe instead of God calling us to this great grand, the next great grand thing that we're asking, he's asking us to come back to just start small. One small decision, one small risk, one small conversation could change the complete trajectory of your life. And we know we're all challenged right now like we've never been. I never ever thought that most of you would have to stay home and that the rest of you would be here with a mask on. I never ever thought we'd get here. But I do know this, none of this caught God by surprise. And I believe he's calling God's people back to himself with more dependence, more love, more hope, more hope, more grace, and more justice than right now. So we're excited about that. We're going to start a brand new series next week, and I can't wait to preach. I tell you what, I'm fired up, and, and I'm really, really excited about that. So we're going to take a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to say uh, goodbye to everybody at home. We hope to see you again next week as we come back together again as the church, no matter where it is that we're gathering from. So would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for wisdom. Thank you for the name of Jesus. God, we've said the name of Jesus over and over and over again. I want to thank you, God, that I get to share my life with someone who loves Jesus. And God, I pray for everyone that's listening, whether they're at home, whether they're in a coffee shop, in a car, whether they're camping, um, whether they're just trying to get through the smoke, or whether they're here in a room. God, I thank you that the one thing that binds us all together is Jesus. So Lord, you are our hope. You are our justice. You are our future, and I thank you so much that you are a friend, a friend of sinners who sticks closer than a brother.
So God, I pray that you would give us the strength that we need for this week. Lord, lift us up and out. Help us to see you in everything. God, may we never take our eyes off of the cross and may all of our answers come from you and your word as we continue to walk forward with boldness, knowing this truth, that if God is for us, who can possibly be against us? We thank you, we love you, and we are so unbelievably grateful for another opportunity to be the church. God, gather us together again in this unique way, living room to living room, car to car, coffee shop to coffee shop, 4173 Guide Meridian to wherever it is that we find ourselves today. We love you and we give ourselves fully and completely to you to be your ambassadors of reconciliation this week. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people across Whatcom County, Canada, and the world agreed together and said, amen and amen. God bless you and we will see you again right back here next week. God bless. What are the greatest challenges as a spouse that a spouse faces in being married to a pastor? <laughs> uh, so I'm speaking for everyone here, it sounds like. Apparently, all, yeah. all spouses. All pastors, all time. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things is it's a 24-7 job. Like it, you're always on um, and the need is great. There's never an end to that. So finding the boundaries, those healthy boundaries between ministry and family life has always been a challenge for us. Also, the your hours are the opposite of everybody else. Like, mm-hmm. people go away for the weekend, and that's not a luxury we get to, to enjoy. So that's a bit of a, a challenge as well, but the blessings far outweigh the challenges, at least for us. We've just had this inside seat to get to see God at work. We get to hear so many stories of the before and afters and how God's changed people's lives. And that was a lot of the reason behind the miracle stories is those incredible stories are happening all the time. And as Mm -hmm. pastors and spouses and families, we have the privilege of hearing them, but you don't all get to hear that. And so that's that's why we wanted to share some of these incredible things with you because they're faith builders. So I don't know, there's, there's challenges, but there's way more blessings, I think. And the beauty of CTK, too, that I love, why I love this church so much, is there hasn't been an expectation on the spouses. You know, mm-hmm. I really haven't been that involved until the last few years. I focused on my family, and, mm-hmm. and that was okay. Nobody, gave, you know, had any, put any pressure on me to do anything different, so... Yeah, I would also say this, as an encouragement to our church family to pray for your pastors, one of the challenges is spiritual warfare. Yes. Because yeah. the enemy knows. He actually, I mean, the scripture actually says, you strike the shepherd, scatter the sheep. That's how it works. So there's a target on the back of every spouse and every pastor in our church. And I want to encourage you to fight for us. Yeah. Like to draw a wall, draw a bloodline and say, Satan, you don't get to cross this line when it comes to our shepherds because our shepherds are, they're exactly that. They're our shepherds. And working together with this team, especially over the last six months, has been such an incredible honor to watch them work so unbelievably hard because our whole world changed just like yours did, you know? None of us expected, when we started January, none of us thought March was coming when all of a sudden we'd have to close doors, go online in a 48-hour period. I mean, we did not see that coming any more than you guys did. And so that, that, that upped the ante, and now we're fighting. 
We're fighting and we're going to have to keep fighting. But you guys can do that kind of warfare along with us and press in. We were so unbelievably grateful for the prayer support of our church. And so, yeah, great question to get started. Awesome. Thanks for your answer, too. Appreciate that. Okay, here we go. Next question. All right. During COVID-19, I have followed CDC recommendations. It's created a wedge between my friends and me. What can friends do, Christian friends do, to keep their friendships healthy during this time? Could this be a season of friendship changes? Wow. Yes. That's a nice light question. Oh, but I love this question because it's, I think COVID has kind of sifted and, and it shows, it shows character. Like we said last night with one of the questions too, there's some that, that um, reveal things you're not really proud to see and others rise up. And I mean, one of the best, I think, biblical examples of friendships, if you're looking for what kind of friends to seek after or um, even be is in Job, where you have three friends that I think sometimes get a bad rap because I believe they tried really, really hard Mm -hmm. um, to give wise counsel, but they weren't seeking God for it. And then you have Elihu, who I always joke, I've kind of got two Bible crushes and Hezekiah, King Hezekiah is one of them and Elihu is the other because he's really amazing (laughs) and it's worth (laughs) it. My wife has Bible crushes. I don't know what else. (laughs) There's a new term for you to take home. That's good. <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, you need to read about Elihu because he, he's the friend we all want to have and we all want to be. He had confidence. Um, he was bold and he was young. He wasn't old by any means, but his wisdom came from God and, and he gave incredibly wise counsel to, to Job. And so, yeah, I mean, I think the Bible does lay out how we're supposed to act, what we're supposed to be like, and sometimes it does come at a cost for friendships, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I would say this. Uh, there are a lot of wedges in our society right now. I mean, everywhere you look, there's another wedge being driven in. We can never shirk our responsibility as ambassadors of reconciliation. And so while we may have a disagreement as to I'm following these guidelines, you're following these guidelines, to mask or not to mask, that is the question. I mean, and we, and we make judgments about people based on that. That's where we have to stop for just a moment and go, okay, okay. John 17, Jesus prayed for our unity, which doesn't mean we all have the same opinion, but it does mean that we have a higher calling when it comes to loving each other. And that means sometimes we may have to love each other in spite of having very stark disagreements as to how we're going to handle these modern moments with each other. And I've spent a lot of time talking with people over the last little while, basically saying something like this, you have a right to an opinion, so do I. The bottom line is this, we're family, let's act like it. Let's act like it. So you you get to have your opinion. In fact, we have room at the table for various opinions. That's okay. What we don't have room at the table for is the thing that says, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm on God's side, apparently you're not. I've never seen that help anybody. One of the things that I love about Elihu is that he stays with Job in the conversation. Right. He stays with him. The friends show up and they do a really good job until they start talking. (laughs) And then Elihu shows up and he just says, I have things for you to consider. I'm going to tell you some truth. I'm going to speak to you. And Job responds. And it's beautiful. And it also wasn't from a a point of hierarchy or anything. Like he said, don't be intimidated by me. Uh, You know, we're on the same level. And he was talking to him out of love for his friend. So 
Absolutely. So I want to encourage the person who texted this in. You know, it could be a season of friendship changes. At the same time, uh, you know, the Bible says this, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So even if the friendships may need to distance, we are still called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. And that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. That's really, really important. Great question. Awesome. All right. Let's go to the next one and see what we got. What has it been like for you to be empty nesters? Was that a hard or easy change for you? Well, there's a, that's a great question. I actually thought we were empty nesters when our kids left for college. I, because, <laughs> you know, our, our, the rooms were empty. And we'd go up to the rooms and just cry sometimes yeah. and shut the empty bedroom door. Um, so I actually thought I was, we were, it was hard, but we were doing okay. What I didn't realize is empty nesters is when your kids are married and they have this other person that maybe is a little bit more important than you are, (laughs) you know, which is great. That's the way it's supposed to be. And they develop their own friendship groups. And I think in college, they kept bringing kids home. And so we had empty bedrooms, but we had a full house (laughs) all All the the time. time. Yeah. So it was really hard. I think for us, um, what I didn't realize is a lot of the voids that we experienced in our marriage, our kids filled for us. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of laughter and just silliness in the home. And that's more my personality. Grant is more serious. Mm -hmm. And and when the kids left, the house got really quiet. And we struggled with just some of those differences and voids. And it was a really hard season for me. And it came for us. And it came really unexpected. I, I believed we had an incredibly solid marriage and it shook us. So, and I think even now we're still working through Mm -hmm. some of the, some of the challenges too. So, so yeah, I mean, empty nesters is a, that's a real thing. (laughs) It's a hard thing. And I think we have a choice in those moments to turn towards each other or to turn away from each other. And I deal with a lot of couples who are in exactly the same area. They didn't see the shaking coming. And instead of turning towards, they turned away. So during the season of COVID, I think one of the things that God has blessed us with was an ability. I got to work from home a lot more. And so we got to spend more of our quiet time with Jesus together and praying together, reading the word together, actually spending time together was an incredibly valuable point. Um, this is the double-edged sword. We have a very close family. Like we do. We, we're yeah. blessed. Our son, Brayden, and our daughter, McKenna, they were, I mean, we were the fish four. That was it, right? And we stuck together really, really tight. And then we brought Olivia uh, into our family, which was such a joy. And then Alex joined our family, which was such an absolute joy. One of the hard things about having a really, really close family is when you can't be that close together, it's hard. It's really hard. So what we had to learn how to do is how to celebrate that and find different ways to find closeness with each other. We're so thankful. Uh, Brayden and Livy live close. Alex and McKenna are watching this morning. So hi, guys. We love you. Uh, they're in Redmond down south. But being able to find other ways to try and create that closeness with each other and to say things out loud. Like when we said out loud, our house is really, really quiet. We need to figure out ways not just to fill it with noise. It wasn't about just turning the television on for background noise, but how do we fill our hearts with a different kind of joy with each other so we don't turn away and we have to turn towards you know, what we know is this. God says he honors that journey. It's not like, not like it rocked him when the fish books all of a sudden were empty nesters. He knew that was coming, and so he was with us in that moment. And we've had to rally and change the way we've done family, but it's been, we're learning as we're going. Yeah. We haven't arrived, but we're learning as we're going. So to all the empty nesters, God bless you. We love you. We'll be praying for you too. You can pray for us. 
Awesome. Okay, next question. Here we go. Recently, I lost my little brother. How could God take him from me? Hmm. I mean, we have sat by so many bedsides where people have had to say goodbye to loved ones, um, sometimes through a long illness, sometimes it's been tragic, an instant, you know, loss. Um, and that's hard. And I've experienced that myself, where I had to say goodbye to my dad at 24, um, my brother at 26, and a niece a year later. So I know what that pain feels like, and it's hard. I did hear uh, one lady explained at one time, she actually was dying of cancer, and she was explaining it to her little boy. And she just said, no, that God is not taking you or taking me from you. He's actually receiving me and welcoming me into heaven. And there, there is just something so different about that mindset that God isn't taking them away. He's welcoming them into heaven. Whether we understand why, which we probably never will, this side of heaven. I mean, there are a lot of things I look back now and I understand um, how God used it in incredible ways, that loss. And, and I mean, I thought I could never survive without my dad. He was my best friend. And here I am 27 years later, and I know I have got this cheering squad <laughs> in heaven for me. Um, so I, I don't know, like it's hard to understand those, those you, you sometimes say maybe it's protection. I mean, heaven is an upgrade, that's for sure. It's, it's us on this side that, that yeah. suffer the loss. But, yeah. you know, for the people that, that get to go, even young, I can assure you they don't want to come back. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of all, we're really sorry. Yeah. That hurts. So as a family, I know I'm speaking on behalf of everyone who's watching or in the room. We're really sorry you lost your brother. I want to I reiterate it because it's so important what Laurel said. God did not take your brother. He received him. And we don't know if it was protection. What we do know is this. It was not punishment. That's not the way God works. That's not his character. And our goal right now is to come alongside of people who are experiencing deep grief. This COVID season has been really, really difficult because so many people have not been able to say appropriate goodbyes. And I have been at the hospital with families outside in the parking lot that could not go inside. It has been painful. We have more memorials and funerals that we have had to delay because we just couldn't do them at the time. So it's a really, really painful peace. What I know is this. God knows exactly what it feels like. God the Father knows exactly what it feels like to lose a family member. Yeah. And we need to remember that and hold on to that, right? God knows what it feels like to lose a son. He feels that pain. He understands. I love the fact that my Bible says that, that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He gets it. Yeah. So I think the greatest thing we could do for you, because we don't have a great understanding, but if you would allow us to pray comfort over you today, what a beautiful gift that might be. So whether you're at home, with your family, whatever, if you could bow your head with me, can we pray right now for whoever? Lord, Lord, you know the person on the other end of this question. You knew who their brother was. In fact, uh, nobody knew their brother like you knew him. Nobody loved your, their brother like you loved them. Nobody see or saw your brother 
like Jesus saw him. So God, we pray for this broken heart and ask that they would know in the depth of their being that God knows exactly what it feels like to lose a family member and that God did not take their brother. He received him with grace, mercy, and hope. So Lord, I pray that you would place your hand in the center of this person's heart right now, that they would feel your comfort, that the Prince of Peace would show up and place his hands on their shoulder and say, I'm here, I'm here, and I understand. So God, we pray comfort and hope. May they know that there are so many around the world right now that are just focusing right on them and their pain right now. And God, may they, may they know today beyond a shadow of a doubt they are not alone and that God knows pain and that he's with them. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your hope. God, heal this broken heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for the courage of that question. We really appreciate it. Okay, let's go to the next one. Time just keeps marching by. All right, here we go. I have a career that I love, but the business is struggling. Boy, that's common today. It's a career that I was called to do, but I can no longer make ends meet. How do I know what direction to take? We're a single income household, and I'm struggling to hear God's voice and where to turn. Wow. You know, I have seen this over and over and over again because over the last months, it just, yeah, I mean, we've all seen it and we've experienced it, right? It may be neighbors. It could be uh, when we were doing uh, our, our farm share and giving out baskets of food, we had opportunities to ask some questions. As so many people said, hey, I'm taking, a, I'm taking a box of fresh produce from the farm. I'm giving it to a neighbor because they lost their job and they don't know where else to turn. This is a very common piece. And, and I tell you, as a church family, now is our opportunity. Pastor Melanie said something at the very beginning of this COVID thing. She said, I think culture is going to ask one question when we're done. Did the church show up? Did we show up in the midst of people's pain? And I'll tell you what, nothing blessed my heart more as a pastor than to stand in that parking lot and give box after box after box after box and hear the stories. We're taking it to a neighbor, we're taking it to a friend, we've got family members. One of my favorite one was a lady who said, I'm taking this to my mom. My mom needs this. How beautiful is that? So you have a career that you love, the business is struggling. You know you were called to do it, but you can no longer make ends meet. How do I know what direction to take? I think the very first thing that we have to do is realize that God always has a plan, mm -hmm. that this did not catch him by surprise, that you are precious to him and that he gave you specific passions and gifts that you have to follow. So the question now becomes this, God, as I trust you and I have my confidence in you, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, if God is for me, who could possibly be against me? What economy could possibly come against me? If I know that for sure, God, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand with my hands wide open and say, Lord, give me direction. Because we know 100% of the time that's a prayer God will answer. God, give me direction. Now, here's the, here's the difficult part. We're not very good at waiting, especially when we feel a sense of urgency and there's a critical nature. We're trying to provide for our family. Waiting is unbelievably difficult. So if you're struggling to hear God's voice, this is what I tell people every single time. When God is silent, it doesn't mean he's absent. Match his silence, because could it be that the reason he's calling you into this season of quiet is because you need to rest first? 
rest easy, say, okay, I know God wants to me to be provided for. He promised he would provide. So I'm going to hold my hands open and I'm going to stay in this posture of waiting and humility until God gives me clear direction to move forward. Now we also know this, God can't, God, God doesn't want to move into our life. God's a gentleman. We hear this over and over again in scripture, right? God's a gentleman and he wants to come in. So we have to invite and then we have to take a strategic step forward. Mm-hmm. So God, you've given me this passion. Obviously, I can't go this direction. So what other doors are you opening? And to be keenly aware of what God is doing around us. I've actually seen, it's been in the last couple of weeks, I've heard stories from people at Christ the King who said, this got shut down and I had no idea what God was going to do and then God kicked this door open and I didn't even know the door was there. What we know is this, God will provide. And I think the key is this, when we're struggling to hear God's voice, we have to focus on that. The career and the provision, God will take care of that because Jehovah Jireh, that's his name. The God who provides. The God who provides. And if he can provide for a man on a mountaintop with a son who he thought he was supposed to sacrifice, if God can show up in that moment and bring the right moment and the right answer, then God can provide for us. Do you want to kick anything in on that one? Well, no, I just think often when we've been faced with, you know, decisions in our life that we don't exactly know which way to go and the writing isn't in the sky, We've just prayed, Lord, we're going to walk in this direction because that's the peace that we feel in our heart. But if we're wrong, if we're hearing you wrong, shut the doors. And so yeah. there are times where, you know, definitely I understand the, the weight part, but there are times where you still have to move and, and God, you know, can't, can't direct you if you're not walking and moving and, and taking those faith steps. And so... I do think there are times where it's important to just take the next step and see where God leads you and directs you and just believing he'll shut the doors as, as you go. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are truly praying God's will over your life and, and asking his direction, he will answer. Yeah. So 21 years ago, uh, I was a youth pastor in another church. And that suddenly was, that, that season was done. We were a single income family. And we did not know what God was calling us to. And we were expectant. But I was passionate. I loved middle schoolers and high schoolers. I still do. I love, there's just something about their energy that I love, that they're not diplomatic like, like adults are. You know, you can ask a middle school kid, hey, do you like this? Or like, no, Grant, it's horrible. I'm like, okay, well, let's do something different, right? Adults are like, oh, it's good, pastor. It's fine. It's fine. I'm just like, no, middle schoolers and high schoolers just shoot straight. So we were just in that season, weren't exactly sure what God was up to, and believe it or not, I was actually sitting out in the county, I was a pretty good critic of this church in Bellingham called Christ the King Community Church, and a big Walmart church, you know, inch deep, mile wide, nobody brings their Bibles, they got to put it on the screens, like what's the deal with that kind of stuff, it was very critical, and God's up in heaven going, dude, (laughs) if you had any idea what I had planned for you, you would so be quiet right now. And we did not see it coming, and God kicked the door open. And 21 years later, here we are. So I want to encourage you. And I want to encourage you. You don't know what door God's going to open, but there's a door that's going to open. And we'll pray in faith along with you. In fact, I want to encourage you to submit a prayer request. 
Shameless plug, (laughs) prayer.ctk.church. Because that stuff is so important. We'd love to pray for you. All right, next question. With all that's going on, and then in brackets, COVID, fires, hate, our own personal battles, at times it feels as if God has given up on us. Where can we find hope when it seems we are more alone now than before? I think that that just is proof you don't get to trust your feelings, right? They can be pretty fickle and um, can lead us in wrong directions all the time. God is always with you. Um, And I can promise you that if, if there's a distance, it's probably on us because he's there. He's waiting. And like Grant said, sometimes he's silent. But I think sometimes we think, okay, God, show up. Like I spent five minutes with you in my devotional this morning, and I, I prayed for your, you know, courage and encouragement and strength and wisdom, and you didn't show up. You failed me again. We just don't want to do the work. And in the tough times, if we really press in and, and take the time to get to know him, and you're going to get to know him through his word. I mean, he's, that's where... It talks all about him over and over, but how many people actually open their Bible? And there's nothing wrong with devotionals. They're great. Um, But they are someone's, you know, impression of what God said to them, which is wonderful. But God wants to speak to you directly, and that Mm -hmm. actually takes an act of obedience in opening up your Bible, spending time with him, praying with him. And if the Bible is hard to understand, if you you know, are struggling with, with what it's saying, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. But I think we are filled with this power we rarely tap into. And yep. we are supposed to ask him for direction and discernment and, and revelation as we read. And again, what we ask of God, as if he's ever going to withhold that from us. He wants us to know him intimately. So ask, seek, and you will find yeah, I would say this. Sometimes the hope comes from just simply having a different perspective. So before COVID kicked in, we were having all these conversations, philosophical conversations about whether we should do live stream, shouldn't do live stream. Is it going to take people away from church? Is it going to help us build community? All the kind. Apparently, Jesus didn't think very much of our conversation because at the end of March, he's just like, live stream, boop, this weekend start. And I wish I had time to tell you of all of the things that God has done and showed up during this season. I would point you to a brother in Portland who was recommended by a friend, hey, you need to check this thing out online. His first Sunday gave his heart to Jesus. In a car, in a parking lot, in Walmart, in Willamette, Oregon, watching on his phone, gives his heart to Jesus. And just incredible things, right? We started looking at, at all of the countries that were represented in the live stream. And I'm just like people from Tanzania and Kenya, places where we have global partners, people from all around the world. Um, uh, doors opened up. We're doing this thing on Wednesday mornings now called Jesus.net. We actually do this live Q&R thing. And this past week on, on Wednesday morning, it's like countries like Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, Thailand, Vietnam. I'm like, what in the world is going on? <laughs> some pastor from Washington with an audio engineer in the Netherlands doing live Q&R just like this from his office and people around the world are having an opportunity 
to hear about Jesus. I mean, it's just God has opened door after door after door. The farm has, pro- ha- has produced like we have never seen before. I'm out there yesterday, and, and there's this gathering going on about there, and they're talking about the farm on the radio. Like, I think it was KISM. Like, like unbelievable, the stuff that God has done. So, to me, God is not far away. He's moved closer. He's just called us to a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time for the people of God to, to step up or step off. Like you're either, you're either on team Jesus and you wear the jersey proudly or it's time to distance yourself because I'll tell you what, like the real people, I think this is a sheep and goats moment. I mean, that's a scary parable in these days, right? When God says to a group of people, yeah, you think you know me, but I don't know you. Yeah. I mean, I'm so encouraged right now, which is like the church of Jesus has got to rise up and I'm seeing that actually happening. And I never, it, it's not happening the way that I thought it was going to. I thought we'd have revival. Everybody flocked to these buildings all over the church, all over the country. It was going to be incredible. And then all of a sudden, God stuck us in our living rooms. You know, you know what it reminded me of? Acts chapter 2. That's how the church started. Living room to living room, house to house, temple courts. I mean, we saw it breaking out all over again. So I know I'm the eternal optimist, but I'm seeing God show up in ways that we've never experienced him before. Mm -hmm. And and God's people are being called to a whole new level. That's for sure. That's for sure. Great question. Thank you very much. And I hope you'll be encouraged with some of those stories. I'll tell you, we're seeing some great things go on. It's challenging, but we're seeing some things. Okay. 1024. We got a little bit of time left. Let's keep going. Uh, Next question. Regarding choosing your battles wisely, given the current state or situation in America, when is it going to be time for Christians to fight for our rights to worship? Oh, good question. Laurel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, it's really easy to put um, worship in this little box. And, and people yeah. think this is the only way you can worship and we're going to fight for that right. And sadly, I think we've really not done a great job of representing who Jesus is in a lot of these issues. Um, Worship comes in so many different ways. And if we are so locked in on one way, you are truly missing out. And there's different seasons that we face in life and we need to embrace every single one. Um, We are worshiping. We never lost our right to worship. Yeah. Uh, it changed. It looked different for a while, but that's okay. Let's be Jesus in those moments, exactly who he wants us to be. And, and picking fights and waging wars over, um, am I going to wear my mask or not wear my mask is honestly just stupid because it takes people off our mission. It certainly isn't pointing them to Jesus. And, um, if that's the battle you're going to wage right now, you're going to be held accountable for that because you're off base. No matter what, no matter what challenges, it's people are going to see how we act and how we love, and that is an act of worship in and of itself. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just, I, I think, broaden your spectrum of what worship looks like, and you might surprise yourself. And and learn some really, really cool things because God's always waiting to grow us. And, and we, yeah, 
I, you, you continue. Yeah, okay. I maybe went off uh, <laughs> no, too much on great. that one. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a different perspective when it comes to fighting for our right to worship because of a moment that I had when I was in India with a group of pastors. Yeah. And we're sitting around a table and they asked me a question. They said, Grant, what has it cost you to worship? What does it cost you to worship? Hmm. And I didn't have much of an answer. And one of the young men stood up and took his shirt off and turned his back to me. And on his back were electrocution burn marks. He had been strapped to a metal bed frame and they attached a car battery to him and they electrocuted him for 48 hours straight because he worshiped Jesus. No one has ever showed up at my house and said, you cannot worship. But I know brothers and sisters who've had that happen. Yeah. So I have a different perspective on these things. And believe me, I, ha I have letters from this past six months which make me go, hmm, interesting. Grant, if you open the church, you're irresponsible. Grant, if you keep the church closed, you're a coward. Okay. I actually have room for your opinion. If you have room for your opinion... What I know is this, someday we will be held accountable for the way we handle ourselves today. And if we claim to be spirit-filled followers of Jesus, that means this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Oh, and what's number nine? Self-control. Self-control. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have room for all kinds of opinions. I get it. I have a deep appreciation for Andy Stanley who made the decision to keep, it, to keep North Point close to the end of the year. I have an appreciation for that. I have an appreciation for Dr. MacArthur in California. I mean, and, and they are at opposite ends of the spectrum. I also know this. As a shepherd, I'm going to be held accountable for the way I love my sheep, the way we protect each other, the way we love each other, and the way we respect each other's opinions. And so I love, I love laurels. I just love this. It just makes so much sense, right? We had worship dialed down into this teeny little box. Worship is when Andy is on his game with a five-piece band and his hair better be tied back so it doesn't get in way, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I don't like it when he does this and that's not worship. And, this, and you, know, we just, you know what's interesting and ironic to me? We just came off a series on worship where we talked about all of the different expressions, the physical postures that we could take. Um, and we were not talking about those things. We were talking about geographic locations. I worship in my car. I worship at the park. I worship in my living room. I worship with my wife. I worship with my kids. Every single moment of every day is an act of worship if I choose to look at it that way. So I think we need to get our eyes off of our quote-unquote rights. Here's another thing that I have been deeply convicted about. When I became a follower of Jesus, I surrendered all my rights hmm. at the foot of his cross. This is his kingdom. And I'm just going to do my best. And you can disagree, and that's okay in this family. But I want to make sure that we're focusing on the right things. Have we really lost our right? Because here's the tension. The Bible says this. The Bible says... Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves. That's Hebrews. The Bible also says in the book of Romans, obey your government authorities because no authority has been placed over you that God hasn't chosen. Do you know what that means? There's tension in there. Mm -hmm. And how we handle that tension is how we represent Jesus in our community. 
Pastor Mel said something the other day that I love. She goes, we've been in this for six months. She goes, here's what I'm the most proud of. So far, we haven't said anything that we had to take back. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And then they that. put me on stage. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good answer, babe. I love that. It was good. All right. It's 1030. We've got to wrap up. Here's something that's interesting. At every one of the services, we do different questions. So if you want to go home and grab 1115, that would be great. We had different questions from last night as we do today. And I just know um, this is about as far out of Laurel's comfort zone as she can possibly get. But I love the fact that she was obedient to step in and just say, okay. Plus there's another part of it. Um, She can't see any of you. She can't see your faces. And so it's kind of like, you know, flying blind. That's really what it is. And yet one of the things that we really wanted to show is we want to create space for opportunities to have really good dialogue and communication, to have a a variety of opinions and to bring them all to the table and yet still observe the prayer. You know, Jesus in John 17, he said, God, I pray that they would be one. I pray that they would be one. And that's our heart together in all of this, that we as a church family can be one. So we're going to pray and then we're going to kick you loose. And uh, the cool thing for the 9.30 is you've only missed uh, about one and a half quarters of football. So uh, we understand how that works, right? Let's pray together as we close today. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for a different perspective. Thank you for great questions today. God, there are moments when we need to come and simply kneel at the foot of your cross and say, Jesus, give us your perspective. Give us your heart. God, help us to respect the opinions of others even though we may not agree because God, what I know is this. You're calling for your church to unite, not divide. And I love your heart for that. God, thank you for every person. Thank you for every person in a living room, in a coffee shop, in a vehicle, in a room. God, I thank you for the ability to be able to do this in multiple locations at multiple times. God, thank you for the technology. And God, thank you for the team that makes that technology work every single weekend. God, thank you for the unseen people, the Gabes, the Drews, the Kells, um, the Steves, the Scots, the people who are uh, behind the scenes that make this happen every single week. God, we're so unbelievably thankful that in a, a time of unprecedented change that you keep calling your family back together again. So God, we wanna bless every family in every location every person that calls CTK home, whether they're here or whether they've made the decision that it's best for their family to remain at home, God, we honor that and we are so unbelievably grateful. God, I want to thank you for Laurel today. Thank you for her perspective and her voice. Thank you for her partnership. God, thank you so much that we can do these things together. Lord, may people have heard the name of Jesus in the words of scripture more than anything else today. Lord, that is what we were dreaming of when we decided for this. Lord, bless us next week as we start a brand new series called Start Small. We're so excited to hear what it is that you have for us in this season of change, fear, boldness, and hope. God, we claim the hope of Jesus today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So as I was praying, next week we're going to start a brand new series. I'm excited to be able to preach that. We're going to come back to these moments. One of the biggest questions we've been asked over these past months has been, what do I do to get my life back? 
to normal. Well, I'm not sure we're ever going to get normal back, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to encourage all of us through Scripture to start small. Not big, but small. And I know for a fact you're going to be deeply, deeply encouraged. So to everyone that's watching on the live stream and everybody here in the room today, thank you so much for coming. Actually, no, let me change that. Thank you for being the church, wherever it is that God has called you to be today. God bless you, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> ready? Here we go. So let's dive in uh, with both feet. We have taken different questions at every single service. If you'd like to go back, we're going to post all three services back to back to back so you can see the different ones that we had because it has been an interesting wild ride over the last little bit. Okay? All right. So let's go to our first live question. Number again, 360-399-6360. You can start your fingers going. Ah, question number one. Where did you two meet? College. Where did the two of you meet? It was college in a kind of a, nobody would even find it. It was in a small town in Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, it was kind of funny when we met. I really didn't like him much. It's <laughs> not funny. That's like, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. Um, he was kind of, he was the cool crowd there. And uh, yeah, I just didn't find that super attractive. But then he met me and I humbled him. And, <laughs> and here we are. And here we are 31 years later. Yep. So we act, it was. So we, we, I was going to a small college called Briarcrest Bible College, a little Briarcrest people from Saskatchewan. And Laurel walked into the dining room and I went, wow. And she saw me in the dining room and went, no. <laughs> and there really was a process there. I love how God orchestrates love stories. Because when he brought us together, I tell you what, um, Laurel is a truth teller. She speaks straight. And um, I am uh, one of the most insecure human beings working on that. Galatians 1.10 is my favorite verse. Are you trying to please men or God? Because if you try to please men, you cannot please God. And that's been a, a deal for me for a really, really long time. And God knew that I needed someone who could speak truth and call me out of my own stuff. And she has been doing that faithfully for 31 years. And it's still a work in progress, but she's still here. So that's really, really good. Uh, but we met in college, and that's how it all worked out. And here we go. Keep going. All right. Let's go to another question. That was a personal relational one. Now we'll dive into all the other stuff. Oh, okay. Here we go. What advice do you have for people of color in the church who are hurt by the rise of racial injustice and harmful, oftentimes hateful opinions coming from other members of the church. Boy, that is as relevant as it can possibly be. Let me read it one more time. What advice do you have for people of color in the church who are hurt by the rise of racial injustice and harmful, oftentimes hateful opinions coming from other members of the church? I, I Just that question alone honestly breaks my heart that that's something we have to answer because it shouldn't be. That shouldn't even be something that anybody of any color should should have to face within the church. Church should be a safe place where we build each other up, we love each other, yeah. we hold each other accountable. Um, so I'm sorry that you are even in a place that you have to ask that question. And I wish I had a good answer. I have never been on the receiving end of that type of, of hate or racial comment. So I don't even know how to speak into that. I can't imagine the, the pain of that, number one, um, just because you are God's creation and you are so beautiful in who you are. And for anybody 
to hurt you in any way by their comments or their actions, I can just assure you that God is a just God, and um, He takes that very seriously. And one day, if not now, um, people will be accountable for words that are said and actions that are done to the people He created and, and loves so dearly. I know that doesn't do that question justice. So, yeah. Well, and I love the perspective on this one and the, and the way that it's coming. What advice do you have for people of color in the church who have been hurt? So this is my advice to you as your brother in Christ. Stay in the dialogue. Don't give up on the conversation. And even though it hurts because there have been decades and decades and decades of pain, if you stay with us and are patient, we have an opportunity to do better together. Mm-hmm as God's family. And I know you may be tempted to just like, I'm going to pull out, I'm done, I'm finished because I've been hurt so badly, both inside and outside of the church. By allowing us to stay in the conversation and allowing all of us to do a lot of listening and learning, that's been the, the kind of the motto that we've had here on our staff over the last little while. Let's listen and learn. Because if people are experiencing pain, it means there was hurt there, there were wounds. And the wounds are legitimate. They matter. And my Bible says this. It says, bear one another's burdens, which means this. When one of my brothers or sisters of color are hurting, I have a responsibility to hurt along with them. That's biblical. I'm supposed to come alongside. I'm supposed to be available. I'm supposed to listen. I'm supposed to be empathetic. I'm supposed to ask good questions. Tell me your story. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you have been hurt. Talk to me so that I can't, I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. And so I thank you for actually, for actually having the courage to ask that question. And I would also say this, I know it's difficult to do these big blanket things, but I think there are times, um, there are moments when we as a church have to say, would you forgive us for those moments when we have been, when we have been ignorant and did not know that we were even hurting anybody? And can you forgive as God forgave you if we have been a part of that in some way? I think together God is calling us up and out to step forward as a family and to embrace each other and to come alongside and to say we want to do better. So over the last months, we've been doing a lot of learning and listening. And I would say uh, as advice in that whole thing, don't give up. Stay in the conversation. Walk together with us and let's learn to do better together. I all, all I know is this, God is not honored by, by divisiveness, he's honored by unity. That's what John 17, that's what Jesus prayed in John 17, that we would be one. Well, we can only be one if we keep talking and stay in this together. What a great question to start with. That's a heavy one, but it's a good one. So thank you for caring enough to ask. We really appreciate that. It means a ton to us, it really does. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Is everything that's happening right now a sign that we are in the end times? <laughs> This question comes Moral? up a lot. Like, mask, just change one letter and you have the mark. <laughs> you know, yeah. you hear some really um, crazy things. I think the biggest thing that, that I would love to know is how, like, why does it matter? How would it change? Would it change how you live? Um, because if, if you're going to step up and, and shape up, then, yep, it's the end times. Because, <laughs> like, I mean... Yeah. 
we're always one day closer, right, to Jesus coming. And he said we're, never, we're not going to know the time or the hour. Um, so I don't know why we waste so much time trying to figure out when he's coming back or what the signs are. I think let's just face the challenges that come our way. And, and our goal is to have as many people meeting him when that day comes. And that's yeah. our job is to just be sharing him with everybody we come in contact with. So if he shows up tomorrow, we're ready. Absolutely. So my, you know, is everything that's happening right now a sign of the end, that we're in the end times? My answer would be could be. Could be. May not be. People have been thinking for several thousand years that they were in the end times. But I love Laurel's answer, which is like, what difference would it make if we are? Because if he comes back tomorrow, we're supposed to be prepared. We're supposed to be living in this moment, which means salt and light, big deal right now, kingdom of God coming down. And so um, I get in trouble a little bit with this. Uh, when we come to, you know, I'm very hopeful that every day we're one day closer. Because I love to go to the end of the story. And when people ask me about the racial stuff, I like to go to the end of the story. I don't know if you've read the end of the story, but number one, it ends really, really well for followers of Jesus. Number two, every tribe, every nation, every tongue are gathered around one central figure, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, worshiping and loving Jesus, which is perfection for the rest of our lives together. I mean, that is so unbelievably beautiful. So I have, I have a, a sense of hope when it comes to God being closer, but it really is. Let's say God's coming tomorrow. Would it change the way you live today? Because then it should change every single day. There should be a sense of urgency in every single one of us that tomorrow, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, that we should be living today as if that day is tomorrow. How beautiful and, and open that is when it comes to, to creating an urgency. I mean, that's why loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. If I knew tomorrow was a deadline, I'd probably live it differently. Well, then let's, let's pretend tomorrow's the deadline and live with that level of urgency. Fantastic. All right, sounds good. Let's go on to the next one. What's the hardest thing you guys have been through and how did you solve it? Oh, wow. What's the hardest thing we've been through and how did we solve it? The hardest thing, I think for me personally, you might have a different answer for this, was losing my dad because um, yeah. he, he was my cheerleader. He was my best friend. And I was so young at 24. Um, I mean, you always need your dad. I, even at 52, it's nice you've got your dad, right? So, yeah. or no, you're, how old are you? I'm 52. <laughs> I'm just old. You're old. We yeah, won't even I'm go there. I'm just old, yeah. We stopped counting. <laughs> but that was a really hard time, and, and I didn't know how to handle the loss, the grief. Um, we were newly married. I was pregnant with Brayden. Um, there was so much new. We were new church, and, yeah. and here I was facing life without this wise counsel of my dad. And I withdrew from a lot of people because I didn't know how to handle it. I... Nobody really suggested counselors way back in the olden days. <laughs> so yeah. it wasn't really something that we even thought to do, right? To go talk to anybody. And I just remember probably eight months in when life was just sad and heavy. And you said really bluntly, like, your dad is gone and I am here. And it just was a, it was a crossroads for me where I realized that yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to live and make my dad proud. Whether he was here in heaven cheering me on wherever, 
I wanted to live each day because it's worth living. Each day is a gift. And um, so it took the honesty of my husband to really kind of wake me up and get me back on track. But for me, that's the hardest thing, I think. And I still struggle with it. I miss my dad desperately, but I know how to get on top of that. But I will, until I see him again. Yeah. Still there. Yeah, we lost uh, Dad, Laurel's oldest brother, and her niece, uh, just boom, 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 when we were first married. And it, it rocked us. It really, really did. Yeah. And that pain is still there. That whole thing about, uh, you know, time heals. Um, I think time just makes the heart grow lonely. I really, really do. I would say the hardest thing we've been through and how we solved it would come back to, that was that definitely was the hardest family thing we've been through. On a personal level, I would say uh, it would be our own humanity. I think when you bring your humanity into it, I mean, I bring profound weaknesses into our relationship. Uh, being married to a people pleaser is not easy. In fact, I've been addicted to, to pleasing people for years and years and years, and at times that's caused me to make poor choices when it came to prioritizing the people that I love and care about the most. And God has used Laurel to call me out and say, you don't get to do that. It doesn't work that way. So I would say the hardest thing has been resolving our humanity with each other and how we've solved it is to stay in it. Yeah, to, we've had to, to hard. fight for each other, truly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no such thing. Just because you're a pastor, it doesn't make things easier. In fact, it tends to magnify your humanity and your weaknesses. So we've had to fight. Uh, we fought with each other and... But we've had to shift that. Now we fight for each other as best we can. There was, a, there was a question actually in the earlier service just regarding like life as a spouse, right? Yeah. And in ministry. And I think one of the things that I failed to mention then is when you are in this type of position, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of safe places when life is falling apart for you because it could cost you your job, quite honestly, if things yeah. were, if your marriage was struggling or... Um, I don't know, just there's a multitude of, there's so many different things that people go through. And in different occupations, there's not quite as much at stake. But in this type of platform, when you have that sphere of influence, when something goes wrong, so much damage can be done. And it's hard yeah. to find those safe places where people can encourage you and build you up and, and get you back on track again. And that's something... Uh, here we've worked really hard on is, is protecting our pastors in that way and making sure that they do have a safe place to run to. And mm -hmm. that's a really, really important thing. And I think for our marriage, that's what's helped us the most is just having a place to be able to go and know we can say whatever here and we're going to be okay and we can work yeah. from the ground up. So yeah. I think the solving part of it too is, is I've watched Laurel multiple times when she's been disappointed in my humanity. I've watched her look for Jesus in me. Like she has chosen. I choose to see Jesus in you right now. I may not like you, but I choose to see Jesus in you and I love him. So that's going to help us as we walk through. And I think every married couple in the room right now would nod your head and go, yep, that's exactly what it takes at times. But so, it also starts with praying, Lord, help me see Jesus in him. Yeah. You know, like yep. it does start with that prayer first. Absolutely, for sure. Great question. All right, let's go on to the next one. Boy, time just, it just clicks along. It's a heated season, no pun intended. <laughs> That's true. 
and office water cooler chat is getting increasingly divisive and at times disparaging. How can a follower of Jesus be a light while others argue or bicker? Oh, there it is right there, right? That's life in a nutshell. So in a heated season, no pun intended, and office water cooler chats getting increasingly divisive and at times disparaging, how can a follower of Jesus be a light while others argue or bicker? I mean, our words are powerful. They can cut or they can build up. And obviously you've experienced that just from being at the water cooler. Um, I think it's important to be always mindful of what we're saying and the outcome that we want because it's very easy to, you know, poke the bear. Is that the right saying? Yeah. I always get the same yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, and antagonize or join in, chime in, and obviously that's not going to do anything. So in those moments, be really cognizant of what you're saying and, and speak life into the situation, you, you know, or lean away from, from what they're talking about. Just there's so much that is good in this world right now, and sometimes it, it helps just to focus on that. And it's not that hard to, to think of things to say instead of joining in the conversation, you know, try to lead it in another way. But be encouraging, and, um, and it's amazing how many people will be attracted to that positive, mm-hmm. you know, energy, I guess that might not be the right word, but just people see Jesus, they feel the joy, they're, they're attracted to hope, and so just be that light, and, and you'll be amazed how many people will sooner want to have a conversation with you than something that's just going to drag them down anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I picture the person, whoever this person was, standing at the water cooler, and I can just hear stuff in my head, um, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, except that which builds up others. A soft answer turns away wrath. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. That's one of my favorite scriptures <laughs> of all time. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Oh boy. Okay, so th- there's biblical directives about how we're supposed to act at the water cooler instead of just judging the people at the water cooler. I mean, we're supposed to make decisions about how it is. And uh, I'm going to answer the question with something that Laurel said the other day. We were standing in our kitchen and we were talking about how Jesus knew everything, but he was still always asking questions. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, he doesn't need anybody to answer anything. I already, he already knows, right? I know your answer before you even say it. But he keeps asking questions. And I think that is so unbelievably important in our world today. When someone's in pain and they're speaking out of a wound to say uh, or to ask, can I ask you a question? How did you get where you are? What happened? Because I hear pain in your voice right now. And to do that listening, that just draws people out. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that actually, that's a way that Jesus acted. So if you're acting like Jesus, it always seems to work. You know, it may not be easy and it may not make you the most popular person in your office, but to ask good questions and then to offer some level of, of truth. What's interesting as well, is the Bible always says this, be prepared with an answer, but it doesn't say, and be a jerk while you're out offering your answer. It says actually do it with gentleness and respect. That's so unbelievably important right now. I don't have to agree with somebody, and I can still be gentle and have respect for their answer. I, I can respect their story, even though I may be diametrically opposed on the opposite end of the spectrum. I can still have an opportunity to enter into the conversation. And when I ask and we go back and forth, there's a really cool thing happens. It's called a conversation. And we tend to build love and we tend to build respect for each other. 
I have lost track of the number of times I've had people say, and they may represent a different community from our, from our church that, that, that may be like literally on the opposite end of the spectrum of my belief system, but they'll say this, Grant, I absolutely disagree with you, but I respect your opinion because I know one thing, you love me. I think that's the key. If we lose the love of Christ in this season, we're done. It's what we have in our hand to be able to have that. So I would encourage you to be like Jesus. Jesus said he was the light of the world. He also said we're the light of the world. So when you're standing at the water cooler, you have a responsibility to love, speak truth with gentleness and respect and to ask really good questions. That's what Jesus did. I think that I, I, would, I would encourage all of us to stick with that philosophy. I think it'll work really, really well for us. All right, cool. All right, let's keep going. Another question. How do you resolve the tension between grace and justice? How can really bad people just be forgiven and allowed into heaven? Wow. Yeah. Laurel? Um. <laughs> that is, it's, it's hard, especially because I'm, I'm a justice person. And so yeah. um, that is really hard. But again, we have such an earthly perspective of everything. And we have to, number one, realize God created everyone and loves everyone and desires for everyone to be in heaven. And I guess ultimately we have to rely on that standard of justice. Um, and I'm so thankful that there is mercy for me and what, you know, I, I'm so glad that I don't have to pay the price that I deserve, but that he he died that we could actually just be here today and, and trust that he's present. And there's so yeah. much, um, there's so, there's so much in that just and mercy that affects us. And I think we always apply it to other people and that's where we go wrong. I mean, we are, if we're looking at ourselves, the fact that God is a just and merciful God is an incredible gift in our lives. And I think when we get to heaven, we might be really surprised who we see and who we don't based on our own yep. human perspective of justice. Yeah. So I look at that question and this is what I think. Uh, the Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one single one. So we create our own scale, which means this. I know people don't like it when I say it, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's true. We all struggle with bad people. Here's the issue. According to the Bible, there are no good people. This is God's standard, and we all fall here. So isn't it amazing that God's grace and mercy actually wraps around us? We're the ones that created the sliding scale. God just said, this is my standard. By the way, it's perfection. Everybody else falls short. So we look at that, and I go, I am just so thankful for God's grace because I have to fall under God's grace. And why did he do it the way he did? I have no idea. I don't know. All I know is I have this picture in Scripture. Jesus Christ, the perfect one, hanging on a cross between two thieves, two career criminals. One of them turns his back and mocks him. The other one says, hey, Jesus, remember me. When you cross the line into paradise today, remember me. And what is God's gracious response? Today, you, the career criminal, you will be with me in paradise. I am just so thankful that God's grace wrapped itself around me. 
Because believe me, when it comes to falling short, boy, I could give you a run for your money when it comes to the pile of sin. But God said, I have enough grace. Well, here's what's interesting to me. People love the grace of God, but they struggle with the justice of God. What I'm telling you is this. You can't have grace without justice. You have to have both. That's what makes, justice is what makes grace possible and grace is what makes justice possible. Those two things have got to go together. How God pulls it off, I have no idea, but I am so great. In fact, this is always the plea that I have to people. Someday, someday, the Bible says every knee will bow. Every knee will bow before Jesus. You're either going to meet God in his grace or in his justice. Oh, please choose to meet him in his grace. Mm -hmm. Accept the grace of God today so you don't have to come face to face with his justice because the justice of God will be exacted because it needs to be. And I know we struggle with that. Well, you know, God should just be all gracious and loving and all the rest of it. I'm not exactly sure how that all works itself out over time, but I do know this. God has given us an opportunity today to enter into God's grace, and I hope and pray that you will. I hope and pray that you will. I have um, a brother in Christ who has come back in an incredibly powerful way from Pittsburgh. One of the beautiful things about COVID is that it forced us to go online live stream, and people from all over the globe and people from all over the country have been finding their way back to Jesus through what it is that we have been doing I am so thankful. My brother Kevin is watching right now. And Kev, I'm so glad that God's justice did not draw a line, but instead his grace drew you back because I'm one of the ones that God drew him back to. How beautiful that God has done both and, not just either or. And I think we need to celebrate that. I think it's a beautiful gift for each and every one of us. Boy, I could talk about that stuff next week. Next week, all right? <laughs> Let's go to the next question. We'll keep right on rolling them through. What advice do you have for Christians who are married to non-Christians and don't want to leave them? There's advice against going into such a marriage, but what advice is there for those who are in it? Oh, good question. So what advice do you have for Christians who are married to non-Christians and don't want to leave them? There's advice against going into such a marriage, but what advice is there for those who are in it? Well, number one, I'm glad you're saying you don't want to leave them because... Yeah, that's good. Um, that's, a, that's big. I mean, that's important. The advice, it's hard because um, for us, we've had that connection, and I know how much it's helped me to have that connection. Um, but that doesn't mean that God can't work in incredible ways, even if it's just kind of one-sided when it comes to that. We have seen that over and over and over again, where people have prayed for years and years and years, and their spouse has come to know Jesus because of how they've seen Jesus in them. And that's, I think, something really important to remember is you want them to be attracted to who Jesus is, and you have to model who he is. And that puts a pretty high standard on you, you know, for how you're, you're going to live your life. But it really is true. If if they don't see anything in you that would attract them to Jesus, you've kind of lost the battle already. So I think work on your own faith and your own relationship with Jesus. Strive to be all that he wants you to be and continue to be on your knees for your spouse and have prayer warriors too. I mean, prayer is so powerful. So engage other people in just praying too that the right people will, he'll encounter people along the way that um, 
you know, we'll maybe give him answers or make his heart vulnerable or just, just pray for those divine moments that will draw him closer to Jesus. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about people right now. Um, it's true. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked. That's not because God is an elitist. It's because he's trying to protect both of you mm-hmm. from making a spiritual decision based on pleasing the other person. That's why that verse is in Scripture. But for those of you that are in a marriage, I'm thinking of two couples right now that in the last season of uh, the last couple of years, one is a, a godly wife who prayed every single day, God, help me to be Jesus in my home. This is my mission field right here because mm-hmm. her husband didn't know Christ. And then I'm thinking of a husband who knew Christ and who had the same type of prayer. God, help me to be a missionary in my own home today because I'm a, I want my wife to know you. And they have been faithful day upon day, month after month, year after year, for multiple decades. And when it seemed like all hope was lost, God stepped in. And I had the privilege of praying with both of them when their spouse accepted Christ. And I watched all of this, all the years of stuff just disappear. It just disappeared. It just disappeared. And suddenly they had a deep soul connection. So what I want to do, instead of just giving advice, is I want to encourage you right now. God will honor the fact that you want to stay in it. That is so good. You're honoring your vow. God had a thing about that. He's a thing about people keeping their promises. It's a big deal. So for you to stay in there. And I want to have an opportunity right now for us as a church to pray for your strength and to pray that you will be salt and light in the mission field that is your own home right now. Because what you need more than anything, more than advice right now, you actually need to know your family cares about you. So I'm going to ask all of us, could we join together? Those of you that are at home, if you're with somebody, grab their hand. If you're a family, just grab your hand and let's pray together. Father God, in Jesus' name right now, I thank you for the person who wrote this question. And God, I pray that you would answer the cry of their heart and that their spouse, whether it's a husband or a wife, would come to Jesus. God, I pray that their spouse would see Jesus in them. I pray that as they lay down their life day after day, month after month, year after year, that their spouse would continue to just see that deep soul connection they have with you. God, I thank you that you are a partner. And God, you step into those those moments when we feel alone. And so God, I thank you that just like you are a father to the fatherless, just like you are a husband to the widow, God, I thank you that you, just like you're a father to the orphan, God, I thank you that you can be, that you can be a partner. God, I pray that you would call us to laying down our life, to serving, to being salt and light inside of our own homes. So God, we pray that you would draw, whoever this spouse is, I pray that you would draw them to yourself because you're the one that does the drawing. Mm -hmm. God, we pray that we would be able to celebrate the story of it took years. But now my loved one, my spouse has come to Jesus. So God, we pray that you would do that work. We cannot do that. Salvation is to you and you. It's yours and yours alone. So God, but we come alongside of our brother or our sister, whoever they are right now, and we say, you are not alone. We are a family. We are here for you. And we are praying alongside of you right now that the desire of your heart would be realized and that it would be realized soon. Mm -hmm. God, we pray even so, Lord Jesus, do this 
Only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow. Okay. We got time for one more. Let, let's jump in one more and then believe that time just goes so quick. Let's go to the last question. Here we go. How do you deal with a brother or a sister who refuses to acknowledge they've hurt you and instead they choose to walk away? Wow, let's do one more. How do you deal with a brother or sister who refuses to acknowledge they've hurt you and instead they choose to walk away? I, I mean, again, going back to the Bible, you, you can see how Jesus handled that. There was, there was a lot of people, obviously, that were horrible to him, treated him, you know, he was doing miracles and they were still mocking him. So it's amazing to me. Um, it was so evident who he was and even then they chose not to see and he didn't chase after people, which is kind of surprising to me. But when mm -hmm. people chose to walk away, he let them go. And he focused on the people that were there, the people that were present, the people that came. Um, and sometimes that's all we can do. It, it's, you know, it, some relationships just won't mend by us going after the person. And we still will yeah. probably never get the reconciliation or closure that we need. Um, or that we're looking for, especially when, you know, you've been hurt and you want that person to acknowledge a wrong. So sometimes I think it's, it's a matter, again, of letting them go and, and praying for them and hoping maybe they will come back one, one day. But, um, yeah, I... Yeah. So if they've chosen to walk away, I would say the only choice you have is to release them into God's good care and to make a decision that you're not going to allow their decision to put you in prison. Yeah. And let me tell you what prison you're going to end up in. You're going to end up in the prison of bitterness and unforgiveness unless you choose to release them and say, God, I can't make them come back, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive as God forgave me. That's what I'm going to do. And I may have to do it every single hour for the rest of my life, but I'm going to choose to release them because if I don't, I'm going to end up bitter and in prison, and that's not what God wants for you. So it's difficult to let people go. It is. But God knows exactly how that feels. In fact, he had to release a lot of people. Some of them came back later on. Some of them did not. You are in good company when it comes to this. Because if you, I'm a, I am stunned by the number of times I open my Bible and this is what I see. And they abandoned him. And they walked away from him. And yet what was his prayer on the cross for all of us? Father, forgive them. They don't get it. They don't get it. And we may never get it, but we have an opportunity to enter into that sacred moment with God where we go, God, I can't do anything more. Here they are. Now it's on him, and guess what? He does that really, really well. He knows how to handle your loved one, so you need to release. They may come back, they may not, but you will have done what God called you to do, and he will be faithful. He will be faithful. Well, it's 1214, which means you made it, which is awesome. Uh, this is, yeah, it really is. This is about as far out of Laurel's comfort zone as she can get, but she's faithful when God calls her to do something, and I'm so thankful to be able to do this together. Um, next week, we're going to start something brand new. So one of the questions I've been asked a lot lately is, Grant, it, we don't even know if normal's coming back. What do I do? What do I do? And here's how I'm going to answer it. Start small. 
We're going to come back to Scripture over and over and over again where God said, don't go for this great big grand act right now. Start small and I'll meet you there. So we're going to do this. We're going to talk about small risks, small conversation, small beginnings. One of the things that I love about this season, and I know people are like, how can you love something about this season? Uh, one of the things that I love about this season that God has allowed to happen during this time is he forced us back to Acts chapter 2. The church started in living rooms, house to house. And then it rolled out to temple courts and then it went bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have seen God do some incredible things. It's not been easy. It's been unbelievably challenging. And you can call me crazy, but I'm actually really excited about what God is up to. Because like the song said, he's never failed us yet. So we're going to press in and we're going we're gonna to ask God, okay, God, take us back to the small things because I really believe that's where God creates the most leverage point in these small little conversations, these small opportunities where we have an opportunity to take a really big faith step forward. So that's what we're going to do next week. I'm so excited to see what God does. Uh, we were having all kinds of conversations about whether we were going to go live stream or not. And apparently God didn't think very much of our conversation because on March, uh, whenever that was the first weekend of March, he's like, you're going live stream. Can I encourage you with something? There have been more people than we've ever had before tuning in and checking us out at different places throughout this time. We've had people in multiple countries, in multiple services happening and joining us. We've seen people coming to Christ in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world, something we never could have accomplished before unless God would have walked us through this season. So I'm incredibly thankful to all those of you who are watching online and are going to continue to watch on live stream. We honor you in the decisions you're making. I'm grateful to have people in the room. That's exciting as well, but we're going to be back here next week again. And so we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to release you to the rest of your day. Please be safe. Please uh, watch your air quality and all that. Other kind of, I mean, it was as if 2020 could not have gotten any crazier. Now it looks like it's evening outside and it's the middle of the day. What a crazy thing. But if God is for us, who can possibly be against us? Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for this day, for an opportunity to come. God, I want to thank you for Laurel's sacrifice, her love for you, and her story that she carries with her so graciously. God, I pray that together we can continue to walk as a church, hand in hand. Lord, we don't want to be divisive. We want to be a unifying factor. We want to be ambassadors of reconciliation. So God, give us the wisdom and the love and the hope to do that and accomplish that this week. We do all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people in the room and in living rooms and coffee shops and in vehicles across the country and around the world all agreed together and said... Amen and amen. God bless you, and we'll see you guys next week.